everyone. We're back again for another week of Tudor Talk Time. We hope you enjoyed last week's episode all about Catherine of Aragon. And this week we're going to be carrying on the theme of Henry's wives. Yes. We're going to look at Anne Boleyn. Potentially one of the most divisive characters in yeah, British history. Yes. I think it's important to start off by saying we don't have much unbiased like evidence of what she would have been like. Mm-hmm. And all the portraits we have of her are after she from after she died, you know? Okay, so shall we just get started? When was she born? Phoebe, let's get going. Kick it off. I mean, you know. So we don't know the exact date of when Anne was born. Unlike Catherine of Aragon, she wasn't this major presence from birth. So she could have been born in 1501, 1503 or 1507. Those are the major Specific. major guesses. Um, yeah. But it's thought more likely to be the earlier years. Mm. Um, this was well, the reason we don't know much about like when she was born is because the royal, the noble status, sorry, from her family mainly came up from her mother's side, came from the Howard branch, but the Howard family is like a massive sprawling like family. There's so many different branches of it. And when Elizabeth Howard married Thomas Boleyn, that was just another branch created. So there's there'll be too much, too many people to keep up with, quite frankly. Yes. Yeah. So appearance wise, it's thought she had dark hair and dark eyes and a slender neck. We kind of know very little about her actual personality, but obviously a lot of the sources are very biased against her, so show her with a very strong personality. Yeah. But that's up to question. Um. She grew up at her family home, Eva Castle in Kent, with her sister Mary and her brother George. And then during her teenage years, she spends most of them in the French court as a companion to Henry VIII's sister. Mary, who went over to marry the French king, but I think, I'm pretty sure Mary comes back to England before Anne leaves French court and stays at French court for longer than Mary did. Um, Yeah, I mean, Anne's whole time in the French court is really what makes her so big word, illustrious, to to a lot of the men at court when she comes back. She wasn't short of any admirers at all. She had this kind of glamorous French airs, French fashions. Yeah, her style was very different to... Yeah, she wore kind of square, low-cut dresses Mm. compared Mm. to what the other women would have worn. And I think that kind of trendsetter in a way. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. She brought the French hood over, first of all. (laughs) Let's get this bit. It wasn't Catherine Howard. Amberlynn brings French hood over. Also, one of the men who she was staying with and serving under in French court, she wrote to her father and said, essentially, thank you so much for sending your daughter. It's much nicer for me to have her than for you to lose her and things like that. Just saying that, mm. not in a flirty way. Like. <laughs> 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 she was a very lovely and quick-witted girl yeah that's a reason she was kept about at french court um yeah. i also think the important difference between the like english court and french court at the time is um the english court as england says today was a lot more proper it was a lot more kind of you know you covered up a lot more it was a lot more whereas at french court like sexuality and stuff was very open you knew if people were having affairs and it was it wasn't considered like as crazy as it was now like if you were married quite frankly the marriage was just a political thing and you could you could see whoever you wanted really really if you have them up kind of like status and stuff um the fact that this is what Anne has seen in her formative adolescent years um definitely kind of shows us what she expects from English court you know somewhat as well so when she comes over it's gonna be a little 
a little bit of a shock to the system that you know not everyone's not everyone's as open as she is. So she returns to England in 1522 and became a maid of honour for Catherine of Aragon. So she serves in Catherine's household. So she's obviously going to be a presence at court. She's, you know, a member of the Queen's household. And, you know, it's, it's believed that one of her first interactions with Henry would have been when she took on the leading role of perseverance in a court play basically. Personally, I kind of think the, so obviously we've got the Europeanness of um, Anne, a similar, similar to what Catherine had when she first came in with Catherine of Aragon. And so that, you know, that understandably attracts Henry's attention, but I think the fact that she had various, like, suitors and things like that, I think kind of adds to Henry being like, well, if these people want her and I want her. And before Henry even set his sights on Anne, he was already having a fling with her older sister, Mary Boleyn, yeah. and actually had supposedly uh, Mary Boleyn's daughter is actually yeah. Henry. It's very kind of strongly believed that the daughter was Henry's, and the only reason he didn't uh, de- like declare her as an illegitimate child is because it was a daughter. Yeah, like, there's no daughters. need for her. And so I do think the fact that Anne says to Henry, like, I will not be your, like you know. There's evidence that she she wasn't she wasn't going to be his mistress. She was like, I don't want to be your mistress. In Anne's mind, she see she saw what it did to her sister. Yes. But like as much as Henry can try and raise her up in like the world, like with her titles and jewels and stuff, it doesn't take away from the judgment of the rest of the court. Yeah, definitely. And I think long shot, but she's kind of drawing on what Elizabeth Woodville did, becoming the first kind of commoner queen. And that was a huge thing. So she was obviously like, this could be my opportunity to be Once more again. than just like a mistress. I could be a queen. Once again, dad was a knight. Mother came from a noble family. Parallels. Anyway, so so we got, she's either driven by virtue, ambition, or by actually, a lot of people say her relatives were pushing her into this. Which I think is a very popular belief because we can see a lot more clearly with her, later with her cousin Catherine Howard, we can see that she's driven by um the ambition scheming of her relative, yeah, ambition of her family. But we have, which we have evidence, we have a little evidence that Anne was pushed towards the marriage. And in fact, her father was very supportive of her being like, I'm not going to be his mistress because I mean, obviously, her father had seen what it did to her sister as well. And so it's definitely, we definitely have less evidence for it being her family pushing for it. And it does kind of seem like they all kind of like held out for as long as they could, realistically. But it, so, regardless of Anne's feelings, we can obviously see that. Henry was obsessed with her. I'm not sure I'm going to say, I'm not going to say love. He was just obsessed with her in some Yeah, way. I think we've established that Henry was probably in lust with her rather than in yeah. love. We have 17 letters that survive in the Vatican Library that show Henry's growing infatuation with her over the years to come. One awkwardly, quite weirdly actually, declares that the king's heart belonged to Anne alone and that he hoped soon his body would too. Ew. You can take from that what you will. He also calls her mine own sweetheart. Wishing myself, especially an evening, in my sweetheart's arms, whose pretty duckies I crush shortly to kiss once again. You can, read, you can read between the lines there. Yeah. Um, this is the historical equivalent of sexting. Yeah. <laughs> I think it's also, like, it's also important to note, we don't, Anne didn't reply to most of them. There, we don't yeah, have we any responding letters. Or any, I think. We don't have any responding letters of her. So the idea that she was leading Henry on, what... Henry's just yeah. harassing her. Or if she yeah, did reply, honestly. they weren't very 
facilitating letters they were. Yeah. How you would respond to a king. Well, I think she is almost playing a long game here. I think she's being really crafty. She's really pushing him off. And she's making herself this mysterious, unknown figure to him that just makes him want her more. And I think at the same time, we have obviously Catherine not being able to get pregnant, not being able to produce a male heir. So this is when Henry actually starts looking into Leviticus, defies the Pope, dismisses Catherine in 1531, Mm. and breaks with Rome, which is a huge thing, which Anne basically caused. Oh, personally, I believe it's very much history. She didn't do anything, but either way, they were going to paint her as a seductress, you know. She doesn't do anything. She's mysterious. She's withdrawn. She responds to him. It's like, oh, she was asking for it. She was leading him on, you know. That's my opinion. So they finally got married in January 1533. And Anne was crowned queen on the 1st of June that summer. And then the following year, we have Henry break from the Roman Catholic Church. And this sets himself up as the supreme head of the Church of England. And as I've got in capital letters, this is shockwaves, political and religious unrest in Britain for the next 200 years. And basically changed the entire course of history. (laughs) Yeah. Mm. definitely did and Anne supported his new policies during her time as queen she seems to have been very active in promoting new educational identities for monasteries that were no longer under the protection of the church anymore yeah she did seem to you know believe in this kind of reformist yeah because it's also it's reformist at the time it's still illegal to be a protestant it still identifies catholic yes and then of course we also have her firstborn child Elizabeth is born on the 7th of September in 1533. So, obviously, Henry's like, oh my god, finally, she's yeah. going to give me heirs. And once again, it's the whole thing. Oh, it's his daughter this time, but don't worry, it'll be a son next time, which yeah. is his stance he's, on most things. He's not too concerned. I mean, Anne has done what Catherine struggled to do, and that is to produce a healthy, living child. Um, and regardless of the fact it was a girl, this kind of proved her worth. Mm. I mean, she had, like, that's the same year they got married. They got married at the beginning of that year. Uh, admittedly, Catherine also had a child within the first year of their marriage, but Anne has had a healthy, like, su- like surviving child within the first year, less even, of their marriage. So I think that gives him hope, but we've also got to remember that I think as soon as Elizabeth was born and was a girl, that began the, like, the fall of Anne because I she only is queen for like three years like it's so much shorter than Catherine of Aragon so Catherine of Aragon I mean she didn't like rise to prominence but Catherine of Aragon's kind of fall if you want to call it that was a lot slower whereas Anne suddenly just like shoots up to being queen out of nowhere and then the next thing you know she's like falling all the way back down so yeah and so we obviously have she has no more children she has miscarriages in 1534 and 1536 and this led Henry who was already quite kind of superstitious about more spiritual things Mm. he thought that he was questioning really whether marrying Anne was the right decision he thought maybe God was punishing him for what he did with Catherine and you also had Charles V who was Holy Roman Emperor he refused to ratify the marriage this Mm. was now actually also affecting foreign alliances you can just see these things are building up and painting Anne as kind of a really bad decision in Henry's mind and even though it's Henry carrying out these decisions and Henry making the choice to marry Anne she is of course the one that is blamed Mm. and so we also have there's a lot of hostile factionalism in Henry's court there were courtiers who were really angry that lost their influence when the Berlin change of regime came about 
We also have Thomas Wolsey, who really hated the influence that she had over the king. He called her the Night Crow, who called into Henry's ear at night. And we also have the fact that just most of the public sympathised with Catherine. Like, even during Anne's coronation procession in 1533, an eyewitness said that the people lining the route apparently looked as sorry as though it had been a funeral. So we can so clearly see that Anne has so many people stacked against her at this point. She's really not looking like a, a good option at all. And further, she has only had a daughter, which is basically the same as Catherine. I do think back to the point about the micro, that does show that Anne was like, politically aware, you know, to some extent. So you can't, I think it's hard to describe her as just kind of like someone who was clearly pushed into it. And then we go on to one of the most exciting things about Anne, I find, <laughs> which is her reputation. And of course, once again, the woman was a witch. <laughs> of yeah, course. the classic. What else would yes. she have been? So this myth was mainly spread and popularised by her opponents, largely a man called Nicholas Sander, who actually probably never even met her. Yeah. I mean, to the point where they would go around saying that she had like a sick finger. Yeah. yeah. Uh, a we have no evidence of that. Why, she... why would Henry marry a woman with a sick finger things if that's clearly with, something of a witch? Things with Anne would just get so blown out of proportion. It's like she... It's said that she maybe had a little bit of a lump on the side of her hand or a little bit of a callus that turned into a sick finger. She had uh, (laughs) a mole which turned into a witch's wart. And a protruding tooth. A protruding tooth, which could have meant anything. I mean, it could have just been that one. It could have been just a wonky tooth. Yeah, and that turned into a protruding tooth. And you're painted this picture. It's almost like Nanny McBee. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, yeah. When it isn't, it's obviously. A very big exaggeration of yeah, what she yeah. looked like. I mean, Sander also wrote that Anne's father had sent her away to France because she, Anne had committed sexual acts as a child with his chaplain and butler. Well, I think it's highly likely it's true also because, you know, with Anne and Henry, we see her denying him on the grounds of her virtue. Yeah. So it's, it would be surprising, and but obviously so- it's not going to happen. Also, she was a child, and I think yeah. that should be our biggest. Was she really going to be initiating sexual relationships with two grown men within her household? Yeah. It just seems unlikely. And I think before we get into kind of the proper evidence for her being a witch, we have to just bear in mind, from a modern view, we see these as really just kind of stupid and ridiculous, but from the Tudor mind, these were proper claims against her. These were really serious. These were really damaging. And these were really scary for them. They truly believed in witchcraft. They believed that Satan used women, only women, yeah. to do his work on earth. Some Lilith. That witches were lustful. They used sortilages, which were, which were spells and sorcery, to basically entice men into marriage, and they had union with the devil. I think the underlying point is we have to remember they took this really seriously, and this was a huge fear of theirs. Yeah. Um, I think also another thing to think about is like how easy it would have been to spread this stuff because the country wasn't in her favour, the country still supported Catherine so it wouldn't have been hard to spread whatever rumour you wanted about her like yeah. even if it was like that she had a sixth finger and a hooked nose like the con- a lot of the country first of all hasn't seen her and, f- and secondly dislikes her so it would be so easy to spread whatever rumour you want. And also Catherine was regarded as this extremely pious very godly woman mm. and and though she was also very pious and godly in her own way it's quite easy to go oh well you've disrespected this woman who was a friend of the pope and god and now satan is in the king's yeah. bed so we have i've got a list here of some not all some of the reasons that anne was supposed to be a witch so let's just read them let them sit with us 
think about it. So firstly, we have it was alleged that Anne had miscarried a deformed fetus. Henry VIII started to suffer with impotency. She was also said to have enticed her brother into committing incest with her. She was accused of committing adultery with libertines, who were men that were linked with sexual immorality. Henry VIII apparently admitted to one of his courtiers that he had been seduced and forced into a second marriage by means of sortilages and charms. And I think for Henry, when he sees the marriage starts failing, this is a really easy scapegoat for him to just blame on she was a witch. I was innocent yeah. of this whole thing. And he, was, he was tricked, therefore he can, you know, he can acknowledge his marriage with Catherine. Lucky he has died. So, you know, even if he had suggested that him and Catherine were still together, can't be scared. So he can go on and marry whoever he wants with like a clear conscience. And the last one, and I think my favourite one, is that she apparently committed incest with her brother at Westminster while she was also with the king at Windsor at the same time which were basically that witches were believed to be able to fly and for her to be in two places at once, she must have been be able to fly. So she was a witch. Yeah. I think, the best one. I think that all of this witch stuff just really shows how preposterous all of the rumours were against Anne. I mean, with all of the infidel- infidelity rumours that had yeah. such minimal evidence to them, it was quite clearly, at least in my opinion, a means of Henry to get rid of her and to get his heir. And what infuriates me is that people often say, oh no, well, Henry did love Anne because of the fact that instead of having her burnt at the stake, he agrees to have her beheaded by a swordsman. A sword from France, Phoebe. Is that, so if that's sorry. not romance, I don't oh know what is. God. I don't know what is. And I, you no, know, if, so right. if, marrying, what if marrying your next wife 11 days after you know, your current rights execution isn't romance, then I don't know what is, Phoebe. Nothing sets Um, the scene like an execution. Yeah. We basically had, Henry began to look for solutions outside of his marriage, and in 1536, Cromwell makes his move against Anne and accuses her of adultery and even of plotting against the king's life. She is arrested on the 2nd of May in 1536 and taken to the Tower of London. Henry, I think we can see here, Henry doesn't care for her. He ignores her professions of innocence. Yeah. Probably due to the fact that he was now very into Jane I mean, Seymour. I mean, it's a sham trial. It's even more of a sham trial than Catherine of yeah. Aragon's was. Yeah. It's very clear that and the people that were accused alongside her weren't going to get out of this. You know, um, like Henry was going to find them guilty um, and stuff like that. So, And we have on the eve of her execution, she says, I heard say the executioner was very good and I have a little neck. So I don't know if that's her in good humour at the end or if that's her just projecting I really don't know. <laughs> her hoping that it will be quick, which is yeah. awful. But I think it's almost the way she's saying it with quite little emotion is almost showing her being this kind of strong figure till the end. Yeah. She's not yeah. gonna give in and give him the satisfaction of really like I mean, being hurt know, by it. Even Unlike th- Catherine, who was really saddened by it, she I, doesn't seem that way. Yeah, I think you can tell that by her this the statement she makes just before she's executed. Yeah. She's very composed when she speaks to the people watching her mm. execution. She she actually says that Henry is not in the wrong, that they should all remain loyal to Henry. Yeah. She does keep professing her innocence. She does the traditional paying the executioner, giving him a coin for his forgiveness to say that she forgives him for what he's about to do. And good money in that being an execution. Um but I think 
to me that's the biggest show of how strong this woman is that she can be staring in the face of death and Mm. she still keeps calm and doesn't let it show yeah i do think her fall from grace though would have in some weird ways won her some favor with the british public i still don't think they would have liked her that much understandably they still think that she took catherine's place but i think that they just see history repeating itself so i do think that there is some sympathy yeah so i think to some extent they would have respected her for the way she went out she didn't make a big drama over it she wasn't kind of really distraught by it she was executed obviously on the 19th of may in 1936 and buried at the chapel royale of saint peter and vincula but i think after that anne's basically written out of history for the rest of henry's reign and that's why all the information we have on her is so dubious shall we say yes <laughs> sketchy it is and obviously everyone who writes it is against her it's all very biased yeah. um her name was actually lit- literally chiseled out of the fabric of hampton court and her badges and heraldry were, were replaced by jane's i think further on mary the first really promoted the image of anne as a heretical seductress who had destroyed her mother and corrupted her father away from the true religion i think in the end the kind of nice thing is that elizabeth when she came to the throne kind of resurrected her mother's role yeah. in bringing back the anglican church yes. so when we look at her overall we can see that anne was very much a very proud strong woman she was sent away at a young age she came back and she became this really illustrious i forgot to say that word she became this exotic exciting mm-hmm. person that people wanted to be around and in the end of it she did manage to work her way up to become the queen and to really kind of manipulate her way into a lot of political decisions whether that worked out well for her ultimately is questionable i don't really believe it was her fault that she fell from power no neither do i like at all really so i think overall her character in itself is she's really strong she's really capable politically capable and it's just sad the way it ended i think yeah and i think despite any mistakes or disadvantages she may have had and has still been done very in the word other than dirty she's been done a real injustice i think despite any failures or disadvantages and may have faced she has still been done a real injustice in how she's been presented in most of the media so i really feel like we owe her better yeah she deserves a lot better Mm -hmm. i really hate how people portray her as this witch this kind of really horrible woman who seduced henry and all that i think she was cool i think she was really cool actually but lack of a better word she is the coolest (laughs) so yeah i think that's what we can say about anne i think she deserves a longer Mm -hmm. episode she deserves a lot more than what we've given her yeah she deserves hours and hours for time constraint and our insanity i think we need to (laughs) call it quits at this point yeah thank you all for listening thank you so much if you made it (laughs) you've got this far we're sitting on the floor (laughs) on the floor under the stairs we should do a live stream like is we're going to be speaking our truth today. <laughs> We've been kicked out of four different rooms. It's been a bit of a shambles this week, yeah. but I promise you, standards going up and up. And we'll see you next time on Tudor Talk Time. <laughs>